You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today what I want to do is, um, there's been a lot of piping up about this beer chugging thing, and I kind of just thought it was dumb and just kind of left it alone. Um, But it kind of got me thinking, because when you look in the comments, it's kind of shocking. Bears fans really don't know their quarterback isn't good. They don't even know. Like, legitimately, there is just a fog. They think Mitch Trubisky is a good... Everybody's laughing at that draft pick. And I I don't know, I just kind of figured everybody was carrying along, and Bears fans were kind of on the same page with me with the idea that, you know, the Bears are going to be a very good team if Mitch Trubisky can have a third-year leap, which is impossible. I've said that several times. I think the Bears are going to be real scary if he really steps up. And there, there is some truth that he got a little better in the last, like, four games, which having a four-game stretch where you don't suck is, you know, not going to throw a parade for you. But, you know, maybe you could call that something. But I, I just I just wanted to, overall, because there's other quarterbacks, and then everyone's, oh, Aaron Rodgers is overrated. Aaron, blah, 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 blah. Aaron Rodgers has one season where he gets injured. He has another season where the offense and the entire team collapses, and everybody wants to start piping up about how he's garbage. So right, let's just go through it. Let's look at the NFC North quarterbacks and see how they stack up. Yes, I'm going to use PFF grades, but I'm going to go beyond that as well. And again, for anybody that's new, the reason I'm using PFF grades is because I believe in them, not because I think they're perfect. But if you listen to anybody arguing online and you start talking to them long enough, one of the things they're going to start saying is, well, maybe you should just watch the film. First of all, no, I don't have enough time to watch every single player for their entire career. Even if we're just talking about this year, every single time there's an argument that comes up, I cannot watch every single, we're talking about thousands, maybe 8,000 snaps. No, man. I don't have that time, and neither do you, even though you want to pretend you watch every single snap. I am willing to admit I need some help from people that did watch every single snap. So I'm going to use that. People who are trained how to scout this kind of stuff from a multi-million dollar company and people who have ties to the NFL who use three layers, as in you got somebody who grades it, then you got somebody who checks the grades, then you got somebody else that checks those grades. Yeah, I'm going to call that watching film. They're doing it for me, thanks very much. Beyond that, the reason I like what they do, again, although not perfect, is that anything that is accurate in this regard should be to some degree predictive, and there should be some kind of correlation, as in, they're great. I mean, if the grades were just wrong, they would be erratic, right? If their grading system was garbage, you would have really good players with bad grades and bad players and it happens on occasion and it's also by the way possible that we're wrong you know that one game where it's like oh that should have been a higher grade 
or that should have been a lower grade. He was terrible. Maybe you're wrong because we only saw half of the actual snaps because we were watching a football game and they were actually watching the overhead footage. Anyways, the fact of the matter is it is predictive and it is there is correlation. The stats most of the time line up with the grades. The performance throughout the season does tend to line up with the grades. But whatever, you take it all together and you get sort of a bigger picture. And then with all things football, this is every single thing that you do with football, you have to put a caveat on there that says, I don't actually know, this is just the best conclusion I can come to with the information I have. That's literally everything. It's one of the reasons I can't stand Facebook and Twitter, especially uh, football Facebook and Twitter, is it's nothing but people that know everything. And not a single person willing to admit, I don't know, man, it's football. Nobody knows. You don't know. The coaches don't know. Scouts don't know. GMs don't know. Hey, let's pay millions of dollars to an entire staff of people who do nothing but live, eat, and breathe watching these guys play football. And then somebody who's been doing this for 30, 40, 50 years oversees the whole thing. We all get together as a group and we decide this is the best player on the planet. We draft him and he's trash. Nobody knows what they're doing. It's just a game. Lighten up. But we'll take the information and I want to compare the NFC North quarterbacks and just kind of see what it says. So anyways, let's take our break, and then we will jump back in. All right, so let's just start with the grade, which again, the way that I kind of break this down, or the way I did when I was covering the draft, is to separate the film and the production, because these don't always line up, and it's kind of funny, because everybody knows that, and if you talk about production, people get mad at you, and they say, boy, you got to watch the film, dude, production isn't everything, but then you go to PFF and talk about grades, and they're all talking about stats, like, oh, really? Then explain this stat. Like, aren't you that same dude? <laughs> Maybe he's not. I don't know. It's just funny pointing out the nonsense. They are two different things. Stats and production don't always mean you had a great game. That was my biggest problem with Ezekiel Elliott when I watched him play as a running back in college. He had really, really good plays. The problem was the play consisted of him running through a seven-foot-wide hole, continuing to run in a straight line in which nobody was around, ever. He didn't have to move to the left, to the right, didn't have to break any tackles. He just ran in a straight line. And there was one game where he had like 300 and some yards and four touchdowns. Three of those touchdowns literally came that way. It was about a a 60-yard run where nobody touched him. If you look at the stats, and if I personally was grading it, not saying he would have a bad grade, but it's not going to be reflective of his stats. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. And everybody would freak out. Oh, okay, that wasn't an elite grade for somebody who got 300 yards and four touchdowns. Okay. Yeah, dude. Because literally any running back in all of college football could have gotten three touchdowns and at least 250 yards. The rest he maybe produced on his own, but, I mean, so what? There's nothing impressive about this. So we're going to start with the grades, which is essentially the film. What did the film say? Now, again, if you don't like it, fine. Spend your entire life studying every single drop back of every single quarterback and then you can kind of come at me and and explain why I'm wrong but here's the problem I'm still going to take them over you because there's more of them and they're better trained than you but I will have appreciated the effort so first of all if we just look as far as rank number one is Aaron Rodgers now everybody saw the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have a bad year pro football focus however put a lot of the blame for example in the passing game on the wide receivers How do I know? Because the passing offense was trash, and Aaron Rodgers essentially had an elite grade. The wide receivers, however, had terrible grades with the exception of Devontae Adams. Which again, if we're really just thinking about this logically, what makes more sense? Should we just look at the stats in production and assume that Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are not as good as they once... Well, Devontae stats are fine. But is it more likely that Aaron Rodgers is trash... Or that the offense wasn't working and the new wide receivers couldn't get their stuff together. Because that's the narrative being painted by the grades. Brand new, brand spanking new young wide receivers. After losing, um, you know, the old core. And things go south. And everybody that's not a Packers fan wants the world to believe that it's Aaron Rodgers' fault and he's fallen off. But again, people that are watching the film, people that have not been super flattering to Aaron Rodgers in the past, are looking at it going, no, he's a freak. For any NFC North rival fans listening that are saying, I'm sure PFF does this every year, not true. His grade this year was 89.7, basically 90. Last year it was around 80. Now he was injured, so it was only 276 snaps, smaller sample size, but not super flattering. Also 2015, which was a really terrible year, basically very similar to 2018 where everything just looks dysfunctional, they did essentially blame Aaron Rodgers and gave him his worst grade since 2007, before he was a starter. 2015, PFF looked at it and said Aaron Rodgers isn't bad, but he's not what he was, and that's a large part of the problem. 2018, they're going, nope, not Rodgers' fault. Not his best year, but um, tied for fifth with 2012. So again, I mean, if you want to believe Aaron Rodgers is trash and, and the Bears now own the North or the Vikings or Kirk Cousins is better than... You can go on believing it. I'm just trying to help you have... I, I, this is what I do with Packer fans all the time, by the way. I'm not just trying to trash you. I'm trying to get people to understand fair expectations. I think Kirk Cousins is better than his performance last year, and I think there's reason to be worried because he's got very good wide receivers, and if they can figure out how to better utilize Kirk Cousins, I'd be a little bit worried because we've seen that offense look really scary, and it scares me. And I've also said Mitch Trubisky, if he can kind of figure this thing out, we could be in trouble. I'm trying to be fair But let's try to be honest in both directions a little bit. Aaron Rodgers is in a tier way by himself. Way, way, way by himself. If we continue on, the second best quarterback here, and not by a lot, at least as far as 2018, was Kirk Cousins. Now, I've mentioned this before. This is essentially what happened. Kirk Cousins was overrated when he was a Washington Redskin. 
when the Vikings got him, there was talk as though the Vikings got some kind of elite quarterback, and that was never the case. Kirk Cousins is good. He was not worth that much money because the quarterback you guys already had, although not as good as Kirk Cousins, as, as far as value, oh, I'm, 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 not, I'm not getting Kirk Cousins. I'd rather keep these sort of second-tier guys. I'd rather go out and get like a Foles type of guy for $20 million. And the reason is, with that money that we have left over, look what we can do. The defense is, you know, I, I don't mean to go all the way down here. I'm supposed to keep this. Maybe this will just be a longer episode. I don't know. I don't care. You know what? Maybe I'll make this a series. This could be kind of fun. I do like my serieses. But anyways, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong. I understand the, the, the scary factor. I think you guys overpaid for Kirk Cousins. You're paying him as though he's Aaron Rodgers, and he's Kirk Cousins. I, I honestly believe, and, and PFF kind of reflects this, I put Kirk Cousins in the same tier as Matt Stafford. He's good. He's fine. He's, you know, he's not perfect. He's not elite. He's a good, stable quarterback. You know, technically, Matt Stafford is paid the same, too. So you could say, well, okay, well, that's the going, well, okay. Then, yeah, Matt Stafford is clearly overpaid. I mean, I, I guess that's what you got to do. I don't necessarily agree with it. Again, I, I that's why I, I actually like what the, everyone's making fun of the Jaguars. Nobody wants to make fun of the, the Lions and the Vikings. Dude, Foles is in the same category. They paid him $20 million. Super Bowl champion. But they're dumb because now they have a bunch of extra money to keep their defense stacked, which is their calling card. And the Lions and the Vikings want to pay $30 million to Cousins and Stafford. And nobody, oh, the Vikings are geniuses. Oh, they got the best quarterback on the market. Okay. Says more about the market than anything, I think. But all right, cool. Thumbs up. And here's actually the bad news. If we're just looking at PFF grades, again, we'll get into other stuff later, just looking at grades. This was one of his highest graded seasons. Kirk Cousins, who's been in the league since 2012, has only had two seasons where he was graded higher. One was 2012 where he only had 63 snaps, so I have to take that one away. That being said, he's had one season better, and it was barely better. 2016, in his year with Minnesota, he had the highest completion percentage he's ever had. Uh, third highest, you know, yardage, tied for most touchdowns, uh, least touchdowns since, or least interceptions since 2014, uh, second highest passer rating since 2015, and he got a grade of good. Actually, technically, by the scale I use, it's very good, which, the way I do it, I don't think it's how they do it. 60, I know, is dead average, so that's what 60 is. So if you're in the 60s, I call you average. If you're in the 70s, you're good. If you're in the 80s, you're very good. Sometimes I say high or low, just to give a little bit more specificity. And then 90s is elite. So he was right just below the 80 mark, so I guess I'll call him very good, which is fine. But I'm, again, trying to give context because a drop from 90 to 80 is a pretty big gap. And again, I'm worried about Cousins because I know how lethal a just efficient quarterback can be in that offense. Because look what we saw in 2017. I'm not saying he was a great quarterback. I'm saying that's all you guys needed. And that's all you got, but you overpay. It just, it doesn't make sense. Like, we don't need a 10. We need like a six and a half to seven. We need a seven. And we already had about a six and a half. And it was great. And then we got rid of him and we got a seven and we paid him like he's a 10. I, I, I can't get off it. It just, it's, it's insane to me. And again, it's a great move until you realize the financial ramifications of that. Now, I guess the good slash bad news is that it's a short-term contract. The really, really bad news is that you guys got to find a quarterback, which, you know, you probably will next year. It's supposed to be pretty stacked, which could be terrible for us. Anyways, I got to get off this. I do find it interesting, though. I'm not I'm not even trying to make fun. It's just like I'm, I'm immersed in it now. Like, now I'm, 
I mean, how do we fix the Vikings mode? It should be a very scary but exciting time. If you draft a bad quarterback, you're going to look like the Bears. Team with a good defense, hoping your quarterback can kind of step it up. If you draft a good quarterback, you dump Cousins, you got a bunch of money, and now you're really scary. So we'll have to see how that goes. Next on this list is Matt Stafford. And, and keep in mind, I'm only going off 2018, but if I go back and look at sort of the career, or even if I were to look at who do I think is going to have a better year, it, it's kind of hard to say. But Stafford is at least a little bit more consistent. He's been at that 80 range for about three years. The problem is he's been declining for the last three years. 81-ish, 78-ish, 77-ish. He also dipped well below 4,000 yards, which is kind of shocking. Not being a Lions fan, I'm not going to elaborate because I didn't realize that, and maybe it's kind of common knowledge what happened or what went wrong. But stats-wise, and and it was hilarious. I remember hearing um, a Lions fan once call him Stat Padford. You know, pad your stats. In other words, for a quarterback who isn't super elite, he usually has pretty good stats. These aren't great. Completions percentage was good, so efficient. I get maybe it's just the completion. His completion totals were down. But literally every year since 2011, he's, let's see, the least, the lowest he's had. 2015, 4,262 yards, but that came with 32 touchdowns. This year, 3,777 yards, 6.8 yards per attempt. So the completions went down. And the yards per attempt went down, which doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. I mean, the yards did go down, but sometimes you kind of get away from that whole... I mean, that's what happened when you guys lost Megatron. Everybody thought everything was going to get worse, and Stafford seemingly actually got a little bit better. You know, distribute the ball, get a little bit more smart with it, instead of just, you know, lobbing a hand grenade over to this guy who's triple covered and, you know, catches it because he's Megatron. But the touchdowns also went down. Uh, 21 touchdowns is the lowest since 2012, which essentially was the lowest, so this was the second lowest. However, he still managed to throw 11 interceptions, which is the one stat you would expect to be lower than usual, and I guess it kind of is, but 2017 and 2016, he threw 10. So overall, his NFL passer rating, which the past several years, the, you know, 99.3, 92.4, 97, this year, 89.9. I guess what I'm saying is I'm trying to decide between Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford. I'm, I'm a little bit torn because, again, Kirk Cousins had somewhat of a high year, but I think the high year is because of the team he's on. And if anything, he's probably going to get a little bit better. Matt Stafford seems to be in a slight decline, and I don't know that they did much to help him. His offensive line got worse. He's got one wide receiver that's seemingly, you know, kind of looking to break out as a big star, but I don't know how much better he gets. He's kind of already like a really good wide receiver, and that's it. I don't know. Bottom line is they're pretty close. So that would be that tier. From there, another massive drop. And this is where... Bears fans get irate, and several of them, and this happens to every fan base, when, when they can find a, a, a something wrong with it, they'll, they'll point that out to be able to throw the whole thing out, right? Find one thing that you consider to be an error or ridiculous, and if I can find that and demonstrate that, then everything gets thrown out. Now, if you just look overall at off, overall offensive grade, the next highest quarterback is Mitch Trubisky. Makes sense, right? He's the only one left. However, If you look at passing grade, the next highest quarterback is Chase Daniel, Mitch Trubisky's backup. This is what Bears fans look at as being proof that PFF is garbage and we should disregard it, therefore Mitch Trubisky's great. Little bit of a logical leap there, but you know, whatever. But essentially the disparity comes in with the run grade. Chase Daniel has an abysmal run grade. Mitch Trubisky is actually very good at it. He's great on his feet. Now, Chase Daniel did have a smaller sample size. But that's not the problem. And here's the other thing. They're treating it, Bears fans, I mean, are treating it as though they think Chase Daniel is a great quarterback 
therefore it's ridiculous. Chase Daniel had a terrible grade. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good. The problem is Mitch Trubisky was worse. So if you're using that as like, oh yeah, and I'm sure Chase Daniel's so good. No, he's not. He's He got a grade that is consistent with a backup. The problem is your starting quarterback was worse than your backup. And here's the other layer to this. Chase Daniel had a bad year. If Chase Daniel had had a normal graded year, he would have been way higher than Mitch Trubisky. If we again use our terminology, Aaron Rodgers was high in the very good category, borderline elite, if we're just looking at the passing grades. Kirk Cousins' passing grade was right at very good. Matt Stafford is mid-good, uh, mid right, 70s, mid-70s. Chase Daniel was average in the 60s. Mitch Trubisky was below average in the 50s. Bears fans refuse to believe that, and that's fine. Maybe PFF is wrong and casual Bears fans are right. I'm sure there's no bias. There's no, you know, remembering things incorrectly, wanting to remember the good plays more so than the bad plays as opposed to being objective. Because it's a funny thing what happens when you actually sit down and mark each play. Because you remember things a certain way, but if you actually do a little tally, you know, even if it's just a plus, a pass-fail grade, right? Put a check mark in good. Next play, put a check mark in bad, and just see what it looks like at the end. This grading scale is much more complex than that, but I'm saying if, if you wanted to, just try that sometime. It changes, you know, you'll go at the end of it and say, ah, oh, it was a pretty good game, and then tally up your score and go, oh, okay, I didn't expect that. But if we compare the two side by side, and again, the stats, you know, in a lot of ways are better for Mitch Trubisky, although not great. But again, the, the, the stats are different than the film. But Aaron Rodgers had the lowest completion percentage of any of the starters. Therefore, Aaron Rodgers is the worst. Why are these grades? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, dude. Because a completion takes more than, than one person. That's what makes football so complex. Was it incomplete because he threw it over the guy's head? Or was it incomplete because he threw it away because nobody was open? One of those scenarios means you're a bad quarterback. One of those scenarios means your wide receivers suck. So we'd actually have to, you know, watch the game to see which one it was. And man, if we could just find somebody to sit down and watch all these plays for us to give us an answer. Oh, wait! But anyways, let's just run real quick through Chase Jet. Jet. Uh, no, we won't do that yet. I'll leave it at that because, again, it's about the grades. Save the stats for the stats time. So to look a little bit deeper into this, how do these guys rank overall in the NFL? And this, again, is where I'm talking about correlation. Because if the grades are just dumb, then we should expect that these quarterbacks are going to be in just kind of somewhat random order. Instead, what we find is that the good quarterbacks are at the top, the mediocre quarterbacks are in the middle, the bad quarterbacks are at the bottom. Now, what Bears fans want you to believe is that this is pretty close to the right order, except Mitch Trubisky should go from, you know, way down where he is, which we'll get to, to probably a little higher, closer to 10-ish. You know, 15 maybe in the Kirk Cousins range, Matt Stafford range, at least Dak Prescott range, right? Because most of this isn't really arguable. Maybe you want to move one up or down a little bit, which, again, what the heck is your criteria? But let's just look at it. And this is just as a passer, right? Because for me, I want to know who's the best quarterback. Now, there's more to being a quarterback, and I get that, and we'll switch it to offense to take a look overall. But I, I really want to know your arm talent. I don't want to give you more credit because you're a garbage quarterback, but you do a really good job when the play breaks down and you run because you're fast. I just, I, you know, just want to know who's good at being a quarterback. It's like if Le'Veon Bell played quarterback and you want to know how good he was, I would probably remove the rushing grade because that's going to skew it a lot. Right? He had a 40 quarterback grade, but he had a 95 rushing grade. So I'm supposed to believe he's a 65 overall quarterback? No, dude. 40 is what I'm looking for. I want to know how good of a quarterback he is. Get what I'm saying? All right, so we're just looking at the passing grades. Aaron Rodgers, in a bad season, 
with a terrible completion percentage. Only 25 touchdowns. Packers fans expect closer to 40. Two interceptions, because, you know, goat. (laughs) Oh. Anyways, he was graded as the sixth overall quarterback. Now again, everybody wants to believe that he just fell off, he's garbage, he's not top anymore. Well, here's the company he's in. Drew Brees, Pat Mahomes, Phillip Rivers, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield. Ryan Fitzpatrick is mixed in there, but 200 snaps. Small sample size, and obviously we know why he had good grades, because he had like four games where he was the best quarterback in the NFL. It was really weird, but it happened. The next highest graded guy we said was Kirk Cousins. He was graded 14th. Now, remember, 32 teams in the NFL, so we got to keep that in context. Top 10 really essentially just means like top third-ish. So it's pretty good, but you know, nothing to get super crazy about. If you're 14th, that means you're pretty average. Matt Stafford is 16th, so he's dead average. He's right in the middle. There's 15 quarterbacks better than you, 16 quarterbacks worse than you. He's average. Chase Daniel, who, you know, again, small sample size, but just to give you an idea where he would rank if this was consistent throughout a season, he only had 87 dropbacks, would be 27th. As far as starters go, better than uh, Blake Bortles and Eli Manning. That's about it. I'm sorry, and Case Keenum. Which, again, makes sense. Now, if I erase all these smaller guys, just to give a little bit more of an accurate picture, because some of them are in not great places, I also want to push Mitch Trubisky into the top 32 if I can. Well, actually, before we get there, if we don't have any minimums, he was the 42nd best quarterback in the NFL. Right? Not super fair, because you got Mike Glennon with 22 dropbacks. And again, I... I under- Oh, yeah, right, like Mike Lennon's better. Mike Lennon had a bad grade. You're not hearing me. Mitch Trubisky had a bad grade. I mean, if, if a guy steps on the field for one snap and does it, you know, hands the ball off, he gets a better grade because it's a 60, because he didn't do anything. If I went on the field to hand the ball off, assuming there isn't a fumbled exchange, I would have a higher grade than Mitch Trubisky. Put me out there as a, as a wide receiver, and let me just stand there like Jay Cutler did on that, <laughs> on that one play. The trick play where he's going to go out as wide receiver and he stands with his hands on his hips and just watches the play. What a crazy guy that guy is. But just so you're hearing me, I understand these are really bad quarterbacks that are put ahead of Mitch Trubisky. That's because really bad quarterbacks got really bad grades, but Mitch Trubisky had a worse grade. Are we understanding this now? Now, if we filter it out so that you have to have played uh, 50% of whatever the highest was, which in this case was 713 dropbacks by Mr. Ben Roethlisberger, there's only actually 30 quarterbacks. Out of 30, Aaron Rodgers is still 6th. Kirk Cousins is 13th. Matt Stafford is 15th. Mitch Trubisky is 29th. The only quarterback graded worse than Trubisky as a passer, not necessarily overall, although I don't think it's going to change much, is Josh Rosen. He was the only one that was suckier at throwing a football than Mitch Trubisky. Now again, Even if we want to say, you know, PFF isn't perfect, how much do you want to give him credit? How much higher is he? He's not a 56, then what is he? Is he a 60? That would move him up one spot over Josh Allen. He'd still be 28th behind Sam Darnold, behind Eli Manning. Bears fans, by the way, wanted to make fun of the Giants and Eli Manning. Okay, they're about to move on from Eli Manning. You're just getting started with this guy. You're about to pay this guy. Imagine that. How much higher? Are you going to give him credit all the way up to a 70? Got some bad news for you. Most quarterbacks are good at throwing the football, so even if you put him at 70, he'd be tied with Cam Newton at 21 overall. He's still not very good. And this is assuming PFF is just garbage, and they got most of this pretty much right, but they were way off in Mitch Trubisky. He's so good. 
right? I mean, you know, top five, top ten, all the way through this list, it seems about right. Drew Brees is number one. Anyone have any problems with that in 2018? Probably not. Pat Mahomes right at his heels at number two. Well, maybe they should be flipped. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. He had some pretty good weapons, I think, Pat Mahomes. But either way, they were both really good. Philip Rivers. Maybe some people disagree with that, but I think he's been underrated for a long time. Also, 2018, he had a fantastic year, and everybody acknowledged that. Andrew Luck, fantastic year. Tom Brady, obviously pretty good year. We'll skip Aaron Rodgers. Hey, what up? Every time I actually get the alarm... I never get the music one. That's the non-music one, and that's the only one we ever get on the show. Russell Wilson, any problems with him being top 10? You know, maybe not quite as good of a year as Brady, Luck, Rivers, Mahomes, and Breeze, but he's pretty good, right? So again, nobody really has a lot of problems with this. But people in the NFC North, what don't they like? Well, they don't like where Aaron Rodgers is. He's too high. I don't like where Trubisky is. He's too low. That's interesting. I find that fascinating, that these are the problems you have. You know, some minor ones here and there. But overall, the biggest problems you have are that your guy isn't high enough and the guy you hate is too high. I feel like maybe you're not being super objective, sir. Now look, if I make this a series, keep tuning in. Because I'm sure you guys are going to be better at a lot of stuff. And I'll also again throw in the caveat that Mitch Trubisky can get it figured out in his third year. It's possible, right? It's third year. Sometimes people have leaps in their third year. It's his second year in this system. All good, good things. Now what's not such a good thing is that his grade actually went down from his rookie season. But... Who knows? Now, if we start working our way through the stats, this is where non-Packers fans are probably going to be a little more happy. Packers fans get a little more distressed. But here's the situation, and I'm, you know, this is a Packers podcast, so yeah, it's going to be a little Packers favoritism here. I can admit it. Again, the stats are secondary to the film. If you don't like PFF's film breakdown, that's fine, but we should be able to acknowledge that 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 is the case. If I'm going into 2019 and I'm going to put money down on a quarterback, I'm not going to look at 2018's stats. I'm going to look at 2018's film grade and and the, the grades prior to this year more so than the stats because I want to know how good the quarterback is. Again, completion percentage. Aaron Rodgers was trash. His grade was trash. That doesn't necessarily mean he was trash. But anyways, as far as dropbacks, Aaron Rodgers was the top dog. Mostly everybody was in the 600s. Miss Trubisky was around 500. Interesting that they don't use their stud quarterback more. I feel like he's so good, he should be throwing the ball about 600 times, 650. You know, get up there with Kirk Cousins, 669, man. Heck, put him up there with Rodgers, 681. I mean, why even run the ball? Don't even do it. Got this gunslinger out there, son. Obviously, Matt Nagy loves him because he's a freak, right? I mean, Matt Nagy knows Mitch Trubisky is a fantastic quarterback, little weird they only, you know, gave him 470 or 497 dropbacks. But it's a scheme thing. It's fine. It's just that's how Nagy does it. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is only going to throw, you know, under 500 times because LaFleur likes to run the ball. I'm sure that's the case. We'll see. Looking at completions, Kirk Cousins, 425. Aaron Rodgers, 372. Matt Stafford, 367. Mitch Trubisky, 289. More importantly, completion percentage because, you know, that completion is depends on how many times you throw the ball. Kirk Cousins 70.1, very good number. Chase Daniel 69.7. Mitch Trubisky 66.6. Matt Stafford 66.1, Aaron Rodgers 62.3. Now to further elaborate on how sometimes these numbers can lie. Why is Mitch Trubisky who had a bad grade and didn't throw the ball that much, but his completion percentage is so high? Well, because a lot of what the Bears are doing is dink and dunk. And I'm not even talking about dink five yards down the down the field. I'm talking about dunking it behind the line of scrimmage and letting him run the ball. Those are high percentage throws. 
Now, his yards per attempt are high, but I'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, total yards, um, Aaron Rodgers, 4,400. Kirk Cousins, 4,200. Matt Stafford, 3,700. Mitch Trubisky, 3,200. Now, yards per attempt, Trubisky and Aaron Rodgers, both 7.4. Again, context, which is different for both. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers constantly wanting to push the ball down the field every single time. Now, his completion percentage was low because it was very rarely was somebody open. But when he was able to get a completion, it was usually further down the field because that was the Packers trying to do that. With Mitch Trubisky, it was different. It was keep it close to the line of scrimmage, close to the line of scrimmage, and then attack deep. And he was actually pretty good at that. I'm going to give him credit for that. That worked. So essentially what you had was close to the line of scrimmage, you had a lot of plays. That boosts your percentage, your completion percentage. Then you throw a deep pass, you know, in the in the deep corner of the field, and that's a completion that boosts your yards per attempt. And I can back this all up with numbers in a minute, but I'm just telling you that's the difference in the offense. But why? Where? What this all means, right? Numbers are just numbers, but why? Aaron Rodgers and Mitch Trubisky have the same yards per attempt for completely different reasons. Uh, Kirk Cousins 7.1, Chase Daniel 6.8, Matt Stafford 6.8. Touchdowns, Kirk Cousins 30, Aaron Rodgers 25, Mitch Trubisky 24, Matt Stafford 21. I would say that's not fantastic for really anyone. For Kirk, actually, that's fantastic. Matt Stafford, I think, expects higher. I know Aaron Rodgers does. And then interceptions, and this is a big one, Mitch Trubisky had 12. First of all, why is that big? Well, because he had significantly less dropbacks, significantly less attempts. He should have significantly less interceptions. So if we continue on, Mitch Trubisky, 12, Matt Stafford, 11, Kirk Cousins, 10, uh, Deshaun Kaiser, 2, Chase Daniel, 2, Aaron Rodgers, 2. So Aaron Rodgers throws interceptions as though he's got less than 100 snaps because the only guys that had two interceptions are uh, Kaiser, who had 50 total dropbacks, Chase Daniel, who had 87, Matt Castle had one interception on 19 dropbacks, which is just terrible. But if we look at, for example, the interception to attempt, uh, percentage. Aaron Rodgers, 0.3%. Not 0.03, which is 3%. 0.3%. So the, the numeric value would be 0.003. Freakish number. Pretty standard for Aaron Rodgers, though. He's That's something he's kind of known for. Kirk Cousins threw an interception on 1.7% of his attempts. Matt Stafford threw an interception 1.9% eight, basically 2% of the time. So in 100 throws, he's going to throw two picks. Mitch Trubisky, 2.8. So we got 0.3, and then we got one point whatever. Don't remember Cousins. Stafford was just under 2%. Mitch Trubisky's 2.7. If we give Mitch Trubisky the attempts in and around what Stafford, uh, Rodgers, and Cousins had, call it 560, 570-ish, he's sitting at about 15, 16 interceptions on a season. That's something that needs to get better for him. I'm more than happy if it doesn't. Uh, Looking at something else, sacks. Now, this is obviously important because the more sacks a quarterback has, which, granted, can happen for different reasons. Sometimes the sacks are the quarterback's fault. However, the less sacks you have, presumably the more successful you're going to be because you're clean or, for example, if you are a dink and dunk team, the ball comes out quicker, you have less sacks. But either way, more success. Aaron Rodgers was sacked 49 times. Matt Stafford and Cousins were sacked 40 times. Mitch Trubisky was only sacked 24 times. Again, we're building out this picture. What is the expectation based on some of these things? Aaron Rodgers dealt with more pressure than usual. Mitch Trubisky basically had no pressure all season. Uh, Batted passes. This is actually pretty phenomenal as well. I don't know if Packer fans really realize this. 
Kirk Cousins had the ball 17, had the ball batted 17 times. Matt Stafford had 11 batted passes. Mitch Trubisky only had two. Aaron Rodgers had zero. That's pretty insane. As far as drops, now we're talking about, again, what the wide receivers are contributing. Matt Stafford had the worst situation, 26 drops. Aaron Rodgers had 22. Kirk Cousins had 17. Mitch Trubisky only had 10 drops on the season. Now, yes, he did have fewer attempts, but just basic math here. If he only had 10, the next lowest was 21. Did Mitch Trubisky throw half as many throws? No, he's throwing in the 430s. The highest anybody threw was 600. So we already know the percentages are off. Mitch Trubisky and his wide receivers dropped less passes. Now, again, these are higher. You would expect less sacks, less batted passes, and less drops when these are easier balls. But still, Trubisky's got a seemingly easier environment to work with. He's not dealing with as much, nearly as much pressure as anybody else. He's not having nearly as many drops as anybody else. And as far as throwaways, this obviously was a massive, massive, massive problem for the Packers. Um, we'll go in opposite order here. Mitch Trubisky only threw the ball away 10 times. Probably shouldn't have thrown a couple more away considering those interceptions. Cousins had 17. Matt Stafford had 17. Aaron Rodgers had 59. Again, kind of helps build out that picture a little bit. Now, sometimes we can blame this on Rodgers. There's no question there was frustration with Packer fans as we're watching the check down just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and Rodgers going, nope, I don't want him. I'm going to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then the check down's like, all right, I guess I'll go run a route. And then he runs away and then Rodgers throws the ball away. Like, you know... I feel like on third and eight, you could check it out to the guy six yards down the field, and he's got a good, pretty good shot. So I'll admit that was very frustrating. But a lot of the throwaways were Mike McCarthy's horrific play calling and play design, and then secondarily would be wide receivers that just do not know how to get open, whether it's just they never got open initially or one of the things that the Packers wide receivers, and I think including Devontae Adams, aren't super great at, whereas Randall Cobb and... Jordy Nelson, at least at one point, Randall Cobb obviously played last year, used to be very good at, were scramble drill, right? When the play breaks down, it was, it was it was backyard football for a lot of years, and I think that was part of the problem. Aaron Rodgers wants to keep playing backyard football. His backyard buddies are all gone, so whatever. Um, how many times was a quarterback hit as he threw? Kirk Cousins was hit eight times as he was throwing. Stafford and Rodgers five times. Mitch Trubisky only two times. NFL passer rating, Kirk Cousins 99.7, Aaron Rodgers 97.6, Mitch Trubisky 95.4, Chase Daniel 90.6, Matt Stafford 89.9. Finally, looking at first down completions, Aaron Rodgers was the top at 221, Kirk Cousins 220, Matt Stafford 203, Mitch Trubisky 167. If we look at adjusted completion percentage, now this is important because again, remember, Mitch Trubisky had significantly less drops than some of these other guys. Completion percentage is just how many times you threw the ball and it got caught. So adjusted completion percentage, Kirk Cousins 79.5, Chase Daniels 78.1. Again, he just keeps hanging around in there. Matt Stafford 75.4, Aaron Rodgers 74.2, suddenly doesn't look so bad. Mitch Trubisky 71.4. So this is erasing the throwaways, the incompletions. I'm sorry. And the drops. Obviously, you're not throwing away incompletions. Everybody would be 100%. Again, we're just isolating as a quarterback. When you throw the ball to a wide receiver, assuming he doesn't drop it, how many times is it completed? Because what we're isolating is, how good was your pass? That's essentially what we're isolating. If your pass was off, you get dinged for that. You threw the ball, and the, co- the wide receiver couldn't catch it, and it was understandable because it wasn't really catchable. Or the pass got batted, which means the defender was too close, probably shouldn't have thrown it. Through that lens, Mitch Trubisky was last. Suddenly not super great anymore, right? I mean, the number's fine, 71.4, but they're adjusted, so everybody's is higher. 
Um, adjusted completion percentage on deep passes. Chase Daniel was number one, 45.5. So again, Bears fans freaking out. Oh, Ch- yeah, sure, Chase Daniel, sure. Dude, he's, as far as the stats go, again, limited sample size, but if you're going to give the guy a grade based on what he did in that small sample size, I mean, he's number one in completion percentage on deep passes. So uh, Kirk Cousins, number two at 42.2. Aaron Rodgers, number three at 41.8. Matt Stafford, number four at 40. Mitch Trubisky, number five at 37%. Uh, As far as passer rating goes, Aaron Rodgers was number one on deep passes with 124 Kirk Cousins, 106. Chase Daniel, 92. Mitch Trubisky, 80. Uh, 0.7, Matt Stafford, 78.4. Obviously, the discrepancy comes in because we're talking about production. Aaron Rodgers' deep passes accounted for 1,145 yards. The next highest was Kirk Cousins at 800. I'm sorry, it was actually Trubisky at 877, then Kirk Cousins at 800. Touchdowns, Kirk Cousins, 13. Aaron Rodgers, 12. Trubisky, 7. Stafford, 5. Interception, Mitch Trubisky threw 6. Matt Stafford threw 5. So as far as ratios go, I'm sorry, Kirk Cousins threw, what did I say? Trubisky, six. Stafford, five. Cousins, three. Aaron Rodgers, zero interceptions. Let me just reiterate that. Let's look at it as a ratio here. The worst ratio is Matt Stafford, five touchdowns, five interceptions. That's trash. Mitch Trubisky, very close, seven touchdowns, six interceptions. Kirk Cousins, really good, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions. Aaron Rodgers, 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions on deep throws. That's crazy. Now, for those saying, yeah, well, he had the most attempts. No, he didn't. Kirk Cousins did. He only had minimally more attempts than Matt Stafford. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 597. Matt Stafford, 555. Mitch Trubisky did have the least, which, you know, you can try to brag about that if you want until you realize he had more interceptions on deep throws than any other quarterback, which is why his NFL passer rating is so low and his adjusted completion percentage is garbage. You know, again, it worked, but it also sucked a lot. Basically, he's an erratic quarterback. He's Jay Cutler all over again. He's got a cannon. Sometimes it looks really good. Great pass, deep. Wow, there he is. Sometimes, why in the world did you throw that? Clearly should not have thrown that ball. We're going to lose now, thank you very much. Right? Let's look at some of the stats when they're under pressure. Again, we learned that um, Mitch Trubisky wasn't under pressure as much as some of the other guys. If you look at overall, how many times did the quarterback have to play under pressure? Kirk Cousins had 211 uh, attempts under pressure. Aaron Rodgers, 159. Matt Stafford, 138. Mitch Trubisky, 98. As a percentage, Kirk Cousins was under duress uh, 38.9% of his throw. Understandable, your offensive line is trash. Aaron Rodgers, 33%. uh, Matt Stafford, 30.6. Chase Daniel and Deshaun Kaiser are also a lot higher. Mitch Trubisky, 29.6. If you look at completion percentage... Things kind of are a little bit skewed. Again, uh, Matt Stafford or Mitch Trubisky is pretty high if we look at adjusted completion percentage, which again is not accounting for the drops by wide receivers, etc., etc. Chase Daniel, number one again, went under pressure, 76.5 completion percentage. Kirk Cousins, 75.9. Matt Castle, 66.7. Matt Stafford, 64.8. Aaron Rodgers, 61.2. Mitch Trubisky, 58. Again, I'm, I'm doing sort of an NFC North thing, but I'm kind of specifically talking to Bears fans, if you can't tell. And I'm not trying to fight with you. I'm just trying to, I mean, we're in agreement on probably a lot of stuff. I'm honestly looking at the situation. I'm saying I don't know who's best in the NFC North. If I had to pick a team, it's going to be the Bears, just because I like to generally give credit to the team that was the best last year, and everybody else just kind of needs to prove it. That's fine. I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm not trying to do the whole... Aaron Rodgers, the GOAT, Bears, I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to analyze things and get you to see why he's not as good as you seem to think. These are the numbers, right? I I gave you the grades. He's trash. These are the numbers. 
He's been dead last in a lot of categories, man. His completion percentage, when you adjust for drops and whatnot, because his wide receivers don't drop a lot of balls, very low, super high interceptions, all that stuff. I mean, you get it, right? How about adjusting completion percentage when they're kept clean? Kirk Cousins, 81.3. That's phenomenal. Matt Stafford, 78.7. Chase Daniels, 78.6. Aaron Rodgers, 77.3. Mitch Trubisky, 74.9. Again, he's dead last in the NFC North, and again, Chase Daniel is higher. And again, I say... So what? Oh, this is how you know their grading system is off. Okay, well, are the stats wrong? Are you saying numbers are lying? This is a made-up number? He didn't actually complete this many percentage, this percentage of his passes? So when he's under pressure, he's not super accurate. When he's not under pressure, he's not super accurate. I mean, j- just to give you even a, a clearer idea of how erratic this guy is, because again, a lot of times we, we can try to put excuses in there and all this kind of stuff. Only one interception came for Mitch Trubisky when he was under pressure. 11 interceptions when he was clean. He's standing there, clean pocket, no pressure, making an informed decision. I'm seeing the field. I'm making a decision. I'm throwing it over there. 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Matt Stafford was the second highest with seven. Cousins threw five, Rodgers threw two. Yes, he only threw two for the season. If you really want to jump on that, you can. He made two throws in the entire season that were intercepted. I'm talking about Mitch Trubisky throwing 11. Not just that he threw 11 or 12 on the season, but 11 came when he's sitting there making an informed decision. Those are inaccurate passes. Those are really bad decisions, and he made too many of them. Even when he's clean, which is a problem. You look at Kirk Cousins, and you say, okay, once we get this guy more protection, he's going to be really good. You can make that case, and I can't say anything. I don't know that that's the case. I might push back a little bit as far as saying, well, maybe, we'll see. But at least you can make a strong case for it. What do you say about Trubisky, whose offensive line kept him clean all year? And almost all his interceptions came from a clean pocket. And his adjusted completion percentage is trash. And it is worse than Chase Daniel. This isn't about the beer chugging. I don't care about that. Yeah, Rodgers doesn't know how to do it. I can. So what? My, my family still looks at me like I'm a freak show because I drink glasses of water like it's a shot. I don't mess around with sitting there sipping water. It doesn't mean anything. The idea that I would go up to Aaron Rodgers and brag about that is embarrassing to me, just even thinking about it. It's not, a, it's not a really good talent. And to be honest, nobody's really even that good at it of the quarterbacks. They just drink it kind of fast. They're not really even slamming it. Like Bakhtiari does, where you kind of just pour it down your throat a little bit. I mean, he was still drinking. You got to learn how to open. I mean, it's just, it's something you could probably, I could teach Aaron Rodgers how to do it in probably a summer. And then guess what? He knows how to do it. And he's grown as a human being zero much. So again, I don't care about that. And this isn't even like a goat conversation. He's better than Brady. This is just about, let's put things in their proper context, please. Aaron Rodgers is in a category by himself. Now, is it possible he's in decline in his later years? Yes. Is it possible he's not the guy he was in 2011? Very likely. But is Aaron Rodgers in a separate Are the categories Aaron Rodgers on one, Stafford and Cousins on another, Trubisky in another? In, in a much lower tier. Yes, that is the case. Pro Football Focus has graded them that way. The stats reflect that. I guess the stats don't necessarily reflect that. It would it would essentially be Rodgers, Cousins, and Stafford on one tier, and then and then uh, Trubisky on another. But as far as is is Matt is, is Trubisky a good enough quarterback? Forget the whole is he worth where he was drafted? Absolutely not. That's not even debatable. Just answering the question, is he a good quarterback, give me a break. You guys are delirious. I understand you guys are in a a community and Bears fans talk to Bears fans and 
You know, it's like, oh, he was really good. Oh, yeah, 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 that was great. And when you go to Bears watch parties, whenever he throws a really good pass, everybody cheers, and it's like, there he is, finally. We knew he was going to be great. And it becomes this little bubble. But please understand, you're wrong. And everybody gets, every fan base has that, but at some point you got to separate. Listen to what the rest of the world is saying. Look at the information and make better decisions. The Bears have a lot going for them. Khalil Mack is fantastic. Arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL. That entire defensive front is admirable. You've got maybe the best safety in the NFL. Decent enough offensive line. I I, I really like the running back you got. Although I've said, I, if I was a GM, I would be Ryan Pace. Because every time I like somebody, Ryan Pace drafts them. They don't always pan out, but whatever. I liked Eddie Goldman a lot. I wanted the Packers to get him. Pace got him. He's pretty good. Akeem Hicks, very good. Your corners, Kyle Fuller. He figured it out. He's pretty good. Amukamura had a great year last year. I I don't have a problem saying you guys are good, but I'm not going to sit here and listen to Trubisky's a good quarterback. That's dumb. Do not say that. Maybe he'll be good. I, I'm, I'm trying to give you as much leeway as I can. I cannot allow or listen to any nonsense that says that he's as good as anybody else or he's anything other than the fourth best quarterback in the NFC North because it's just not even close it's not debatable I think the only debate you could possibly have is who's better Stafford or Cousins that's it anybody saying Aaron Rodgers isn't the best and Trubisky isn't the worst is a dummy it's it's so ridiculously undebatable it's a joke no (laughs) if I may put the same caveat on it for the thousandth time What I'm referring to is 2018 and prior. Has nothing to do with 2019 and beyond. Could be a massive paradigm shift. Maybe Kirk Cousins gets that offensive line. He gets in a rhythm. He's going to be number one. Maybe Trubisky gets it figured out. And, you know, even though he's not the top guy, he's like the 12th best quarterback and the Bears win the Super Bowl. I don't know. Maybe, well, I'm not going to even do maybe with Stafford. Stafford is Stafford. He's always been Stafford. He'll always be Stafford, except he'll continue to slowly get worse. And maybe Aaron Rodgers is just done. Week one, he's going to break every bone in his body, and he's just going to be flopping on the floor like a squid. And, uh, you know, just turns out he's injury-prone, and he can't stay on the field, and he's got a bad attitude, and everybody hates him, and he goes off, and he, you know, becomes the Grinch, living on a mountain somewhere, just scowling at everybody. Him and Danica just scowling at the world from on top of a mountain with the Dalai Lama. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the future has. I'm just trying to look at things as honestly as I can. This is the situation. It's Aaron Rodgers, it's the other two, and it's the trash guy. So, anyways, that's it. There will only be one podcast today because this one took a while and I wanted... I'm not going to split this into two parts. That's ridiculous. I'll get caught up eventually. So, it'll be kind of, I guess, intermittent between one podcast, two podcasts. Maybe I'll start doing two on the weekends. I don't know. Y'all know I do whatever I want. But, anyways, please have a fantastical Thursday. I hope it's Thursday because I feel like it's Thursday. And if it's not, I'm going to throw a fit. If it's Wednesday, I am calling in sick. But enjoy whatever day it is. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.